Hello, and welcome to The Dentrepreneur Show. I am Dr. D. Todd Russell, a dentist and entrepreneur with over 30 years of experience. On this show, we're going to discuss, engage, and prepare you for taking your practice or business to its end game. How do you grow it? What metrics do you track? How do you know when is the right time and what things you need to have in place to create the best long-term value for your business and wealth for yourself? You need to polish your spirit and prepare yourself no matter how far along you are in your career. Hey, this is Dr. D. Todd Russell. Welcome to my show, Dentrepreneur. I started this podcast because as I've gone through the path of being a dentist from dental school to a residency associateship partnership, eventually to my own large top 1% producing practice and eventually being associated with a DSO and then eventually starting my own, uh, aligning with private equity for a period of time and looking for an exit. There's a lot of things we as docs don't know. And I've seen it, listen to other podcasts out there and uh, sure we'll be talking about some of the similar things that they do, but nobody has that kind of cross-section of experience that I do. So on the show, I'm going to start off by interviewing a group of people who have been part of transactions. For example, a, a broker who sells practices, a gentleman who has a company that consults and helps to improve your systems so that you can be more profitable while you're running your practice to people who have been part of DSO, what they call roll-ups, so growing a number of locations and then selling it for profit. And uh, as and some of those people will be um, finance people. Some of them are going to be dentists themselves. I personally am a big believer that um, dentists should run and operate the companies that they start. I think we are a bunch of people who understand the nuances much better than anyone else. Certainly, there are people who have been in our business who don't have the degree, who understand it. One of our guests is going to be someone who started a very profitable hygiene program for uh, several DSOs. So as I go through this podcast and these guests, I'm going to ask some of the same questions. I hope you're intrigued by their answers. I've uh, So far in the ones that I've been doing, the answers are definitely different. As you get going on your career, at your if you're at the tail end of your career, there's going to be tidbits here that all of you are going to want to take part in knowing and understanding. I'll also inject some other things. Over the years, I've put together for the organization that I founded, I put together a, what I call the university so that uh, the doctors that work for me can go through some exercises and understanding or gain understanding through books that they read, experiences that we have, the metrics are taught to them. And then finally, there's an area, obviously, about proficiency, which leads me to today's, in addition to an intro, leads me to today's topic a little bit. I do want to discuss quality of care. Look, what I've seen out there when I do chart audits of my own doctors, uh, when I'm looking at practices, some of us are not doing our best work, and it's rather disappointing. I'll use this, the example of uh, cementing a crown or placing a crown on a patient. Look, take an x-ray, verify that it fits. Don't just slap it into place and assume that it's well done. You know, that winds up in my office and then I have to tell the patient that there's either recurrent day there or it's not done to what is called the standard of care. And that's really the key term here, standard of care. You have to hold yourself to that standard of care. And that that is defined as what the majority of us consider the acceptable result. Can you do something that isn't ideal? Yes. For example, you have a difficult to work on patient. Maybe it's a, someone with a, that's challenged on the spectrum, mentally handicapped, and you 
need to do a restoration on a large, a large restoration on a posterior tooth, you can't get a crown. It's almost physically impossible to work on this patient long enough. The parents at that time can't get the child to a hospital or to a specialist that can, you know, um, put the patient in a twilight. There's whatever the extending circumstances are, you can't deliver the what you know to be the best quality. All you got to do is talk about it, write it down. It doesn't mean that the standard of care wasn't met. It means that you did try your best and you're hoping for the result to be its best. Medicine is trial and error. You're going to hear that theme multiple times through my podcast. It's trial and error. We are not perfect. None of us are. Our profession does not allow for that to happen. You cannot replicate perfectly every time. Things are going to happen. We all have skeletons in our closet. But to meet the standard of care, document it. Discuss it with the patient. Present to them all of their choices so that they are co-diagnosing and co-deciding with you. If you do all of that, you are protected. One of the things I see so often with young dentists is everybody is afraid of being sued. All right, let's back that down a little bit. First of all, good communication, good expectations on the outcome being relayed to a, pa to a patient will help you avoid any lawsuit. Care for your patients, develop a relationship, allow them to trust you. When they trust you, then when these things happen, they will trust you to fix it. That's the next key item. When you do make a mistake, fix it. Don't ignore it. Don't tell them that they're nuts. Don't think that your staff did something. Just fix it. If the crown isn't seated properly, redo it. I've had to eat a Back in the day, we used to do a lot of before implants really became more popular and you could do single teeth and splint them in between other teeth. We were doing roundhouse bridge work. So it's, you know, crowns from 14 all the way around to three, one piece. Well, if one fails, the whole thing fails. Well, imagine doing that and then finding out two years later, despite the fact that the patient returned to you every four months, every six months faithfully, trusted you, you took the number of x-rays and you had failure. You have to tell the patient about that and you have to try to fix that. Now, if you are able to compartmentalize it and just repair that area and you have to charge the patient because they've had use for a period, that's all between you and the patient, but it's the communication that certainly helps you to avoid any problems. Next thing, let's talk about the cost. Are you inside your scope or outside your scope? If you're doing a difficult molar endo, don't do it. Make sure you refer it out. Know your limitations. Some of us are better at things than others. Some of us, uh, you can't get experience, of course, without doing it. But pick the easy cases to gain the experience. Don't do it on the tough cases. Set the expectations. Just recently, I had a longtime friend in the office who wound up having a tooth that did, did require uh, endo to save it, and he wanted to go forward with that. I opened it for him and had a very difficult time locating canals. I told him that was a possibility. Closed it back up, sent him around the corner, down the, down the town over to a friend of mine who is an endodontist, who did an excellent job under microscope, case complete, finished the new restoration on it, and the patient is very happy. Know your limitations. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay to be a little infallible as long as you know how to fix it. And Cases like this, so often we immediately get defensive. Oh, well, he did that or she did that or I can't do it. The next item when it comes to sort of this accountability and lack of or worried about having being sued, how much is a tooth worth? Just think about that for a second. Somebody comes in, tooth number 19, split down the middle, can't save it. And you've got enough clinical experience and uh, taken enough continuing education classes, have all the right instruments and tools at your possession. You do an extraction, you do socket preservation. The area heals for four months. They come back. 
you place the implant, you let that heal, they come back four months later or so, you uncover it, you go through the process and you make an aesthetically pleasing, functional crown and it's done. What did that cost? Depending upon your zip code, $6,000, $4,007, somewhere in there. That's what a tooth is worth. Now, the attorneys will work in pain and suffering and everything like that. No one wants to go through that. My advice to you where things get bad is with medications and failure to diagnose. Don't kill somebody. That's a bad idea. That's going to end up with a bad practice. Just don't do that. Okay. You're going to wind up in court for that one. Make sure you know what medications they're on. Make sure you know the contraindications of what you're putting in them and do diagnose everything. We have so much technology in our hands now from digital radiographs that put out minimal amount of radiation to intraoral cameras that are better than the big photo cameras we used to use to take telescopic pictures of our patient's teeth to caries detectors. Whether you believe that system works or not, it can show you something. It can give you a little bit of a sign or a symptom that something is taking place. Then tell the patient. If you tell the patient, they know. Uh, another ex an example of that and especially with perio, we all know that that's, that's one of the buzzwords, you know, doing damage during an extraction, failure to do endo properly. We certainly know those can be something of a problematic legal issue, but failure to diagnose is one of the bigger ones. And especially when it comes to perio. Now, I know some colleagues on the other side of that who overdiagnose. And quite frankly, to me, that's fraud. That's violating our oath of uh, doing no harm. You're actually doing something to someone who doesn't need it. But if you're not diagnosing it, you're, putting your, you're opening yourself up for a problem. When it comes to presenting to the patient, a little tangent on this, look at, you tell the patient about it, you set it up to do it in a stepwise fashion, but you don't overwhelm them. So for example, I've got a patient that comes in who's got severe perio, they've got some decay, they've got some need for some surgical things and maybe some crown and bridge. I've known colleagues who immediately sell the crown and bridge. Why? It's the high margin value item. So they think that's what they should do first because they're more worried about their pocketbook. No, we all know we have to treat disease first. I call it the immediate needs, perio, endo, surgery because of presence of infection. Those things need to be done. Restorative work comes secondary. Get that stuff done. Tell the patient about it. Tell them why it's being done. Show them. We've got models we can show them, plenty of videos we can show them. Don't delay in telling them. Now, you can tell them we're going to do this first. And I know cost is a factor. We're going to explain how to go through that with my you know, business coordinator. And once you have the dollars and cents figures, we can start to piecemeal it together. But we must do this before I can do that. Anything else is a violation of standard of care for you. And also, it's not going to give you the ultimate result you want. So when it comes to standard of care, you've got to tell the patient every time what you're doing and why. You've got to produce good quality work, back it up every time. And if you have a problem, fix it. Don't let it go out of your office without a plan to making it right. It happens. You're going to fail. It's okay. Failure and how to fix the failure is a better lesson than how to fix it the first time. Now, granted, you want to do it right the first time. There's no question. But as we discussed, there's extenuating circumstances where it's impossible. And that could be the scanner had a hiccup that day. The PVS impression didn't set properly. The lab screwed it up. Whatever your excuses are, it happens to all of us. It happens to me. I have patients come in and 
a year later, I'm like, oh my God, that's an open margin on a, on a DO restoration. Mrs. Smith, I'm so sorry. I just looked at this x-ray. I just did this a year ago. Not certain if it was me or if it was the material or if it's just your mouth, but anyhow, we have to fix it. Patients appreciate your integrity. So stick with being honest and having integrity. So anyhow, that's it for today on uh, standard of care and a little bit of background again on why I've started this podcast. There's going to be a lot more. Stay tuned. You can find me at uh, dentrepreneurllc.com. You can email me at dtodrussellddds at gmail. And you can find me myself on 216-410-1331. Thank you. And we'll be with you soon. Bye. Thank you for joining us. Please follow or subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. If you would like further information or to meet with me one-on-one and discuss your practice, please feel free to contact me through my website, dentrepreneurllc.com. Many more exciting guests and topics are headed your way. 